Thank you for subscribing to the Extra Mile Podcast. Help us out by leaving a review and a five-star rating wherever you download the show. After leaving a review, slide on into our DMs over on social media at Mississippi D-O-T and let us know. As a thank you, we have compiled a Google Map list of all of our guests' favorite spots to eat on Mississippi highways. It is our gift to you. Seriously, you guys are the best. We could not do the show without you, and we greatly appreciate the support. Remember... Drive smart out there on Mississippi highways. That's nearly $2 billion, and that's money that's going to be spent on improving safety, enhancing mobility, and improving economic growth and development in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and with this historic funding from the legislature, new construction will be popping up all over Mississippi. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast. Men and women of the Department of Transportation are up to the task and up to make sure that we deliver a product that the taxpayers uh, can be proud of. So I'm ready for us to go to work. Welcome in to another edition of the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Deputy Director of Public Affairs, Paul Catool, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Will Kraft, the Director of Public Affairs here at the agency. And uh, you probably know around this time of the year, we usually have elected officials, legislators on the show. However, we cannot help Mother Nature. If you're paying attention, there's a pretty bad... Uh, winter weather event uh, last week. And so today we are going to introduce uh, Mr. Earl Glenn, who is the Deputy Executive Director, Chief Engineer here at the agency. Earl, thank you for joining us. And to kind of get us started, I know you were you have been here since 1998. So you, can you kind of walk us through what all you've done at the agency, sir? Sure, sure. Uh, again, I'm Earl Glenn, uh, Deputy Director for uh, Chief Engineer uh, for MDOT been here since uh, 1998, uh, graduated Mississippi State University in that same year, uh, then uh, began working at Newton Project Office as a uh, project manager, uh, did that for a couple years, uh, then went to move to the uh, uh, Whitfield Project Office as a project manager and later project engineer uh, to work on uh, the State Route 463, uh, Spooey Interchange there in Madison. Okay. Uh, later from there, uh, several projects there uh, during that time for probably the next six, seven years before I moved to uh, the construction division of MDOT as a uh, an area engineer for District 2, which is in Batesville, Mississippi. Uh, worked there uh, for three to maybe three to four years before becoming the assistant construction engineer, uh, uh, later the state construction engineer. And uh, uh, I did that for about four years uh, before I moved to be the district three district engineer in Yazoo City. Uh, I did that job for about uh, two and a half years, which was over, which was over uh, 12 counties in the Delta region. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, uh, was able to make some get some accomplishments there, uh, such as uh, the uh, Greenville bypass. Uh, oh, we, yeah. we, we've been working on that project, uh, able to get it started. Uh, phase two of that project uh, was bid uh, Tuesday. 
to oh, nice. attack on and uh, continue that to Leland. So uh, with that bypass project, it will uh, be able to bypass Greenville from the Mississippi River to Leland. So that was a uh, major project going on there. And as well, we were working on uh, Port Gibson, a bypass there. Yep. Uh, so there's a, a design project underway for that. Uh, happy to see those projects move along. Uh, before I uh, was able to uh, take this job as the chief engineer uh, and have been here since uh, the first January. Rocking and rolling, fast and furious too. Yeah. I think you, you've got a really good, would you say, I think you would agree with this, you've got a really good uh, background kind of throughout MDOT, working in different spots and different places. I'm sure that has helped a long way in taking this role now, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I think about it every day since I've been on this job. I use a good bit of the experiences I've used. I've sure. learned every, every stop that I've been in. Did uh, did Brian Ratliff teach you anything at all out in Newton office, or just have to, you know? You yeah, know. well, Brian and I met at the uh, Whitfield Project office okay, uh, Whitfield, when, when I was there. Uh, uh, so it was uh, myself, him, uh, and some others that work at MDOT still today, like uh, Albert White. Okay, there. yeah. Uh, uh, Bradley Williams yeah. uh, was there. Uh, so, uh, Man, so, that was a hot spot for yeah, recruiting so, efforts at one point, right, apparently. Right, right. right. So, so uh, Richard Chisholm, that was one of our yeah. prior uh, assistants. So uh, we were all there together at the same time. Okay. And we were able to kind of throw things off of each other and, and, and learn a good bit. And working here in the Jackson uh, area, it was always challenging projects that sure. required you to, uh, you know, perform at your best. Man, and, I, and you mentioned some of those huge ones, those that Port Gibson project. I know the folks down there are glad to see that moving um, in the Greenville Bypass. Another great project for the Delta. Um, that, you know, we've been real excited about. We've been very vocal about a good thing happening uh, as far as that transportation system goes over there. So a lot of exposure to a lot of projects around the state, man. But uh, So has it been taken over as our chief engineer? Uh, it's been It's been fine. Um, you know, uh, been a lot busier sure. uh, because you're you're taking on uh, more responsibility. But uh, the you know, if you've got good people, uh, we were able to bring uh, bring on a good team with you know with me. So That's right. not doing it alone. Uh, we're working as a team, real good. Uh, and uh, uh, we were dividing up our work and our duties. Yeah. You know, still we're still learning each other a little bit, learning our strengths and weaknesses, whatnot. But I'm uh, at this point very happy with who we got. Love it. Love to hear it. No doubt. You can really have a, a career at MDOT. Uh, me and Will are kind of youngins, but we've you know both had several roles here. So if you're if you're an engineer, come to MDOT and work your way up and become chief engineer one day, right? Absolutely. There you go. Very cool. So besides getting to know you, Earl, we um we wanted to kind of break down this winter weather event. Okay. Uh, so can you kind of tell us how uh, the DOT uh, prepares for winter weather events or uh, just kind of uh, severe weather in general? And then kind of get into the pre-treatment, that sort of thing for us. Okay. So uh, the weather event we just uh, experienced last week uh, was, uh, it was forecasted. Uh, we were able to go ahead and uh, get in front of it, I feel, uh, the week prior. Uh, we had conversations. We had uh, conference calls with all of the districts to make sure that they, they had the supplies that they needed uh, and the equipment to, to work with. Uh, they went ahead and put their employees on notice that uh, that that beginning of last week would likely be uh, one of the the most uh, uh, treacherous times that we would be dealing with. We hadn't had ice storm in a couple of years, so 
we wound up having to um, pull back on some of the lessons learned that from the prior storm, which was in, I think, 2020. So, um, uh, but some of, as far as some of the pretreatment that we do, um, there is a, uh, a solution, uh, a salt brine that we put down. Uh, it can be placed on the roadway prior to uh, the ice event, but you don't want to do it before a rain. The rain can wash it away and it becomes less effective. That was something I did not know that I learned uh, in that conversation. I did not know the timetable and that the rain could, you know, evaporate the efforts. Yes, yes. So you could lose some of your uh, ground that you think you were gaining. Yeah. So we pre-treat some of the major routes in particular, such as interstates, U.S. routes, uh, to make sure that uh, at least one travel lane is open at all times. Uh, we, uh, in the northern area of the state, they, uh, they, they received a refreeze event, mm. uh, which was a second event uh, somewhere about midweek, uh, which threw their workers back into a cycle of, of, of not being able to, to complete things like they would have thought uh, because they had to go back out and basically just start all over start again. Over, yeah. And uh, we invested about uh, $2 million wow. into the effort of statewide for uh, – for this ICE event, about 37,000 man hours of workers of their time uh, from home uh, overnight um, coming back to work for us during that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the middle of a lot of other things that were going on, you know, in, in their own personal lives. That's so right, sure. There's a lot of uh, sacrifice that uh, we thank the employees for, for, for doing for us. Cause Without them, that's the only way we can, we can keep Mississippi moving. Yeah, you know, and this is something we, we haven't talked about in a little while. It's kind of more of a hurricane season topic, but, you know, uh, our folks being recognized as first responders, you know, because really, like a lot of those times, emergency services can't get through until we clear the roads. Absolutely. So, it, it's, it, I mean, we're, we're right as a, we're, you're exactly right, first responders is the perfect word for it. Without them, uh, I mean, we can't get police, can't get yeah. Uh, uh, ambulances and fire trucks, everything else can't can't make it to their their destination without us trying to get out there in, in front of them. Want to rack on a little more? I mean, so heard stories. Some of these uh, these uh, maintenance crews, first responders, were actually like walking to work. They were sleeping overnight at the at the headquarters, that sort of thing. So they were working round the clock for over a week. Correct. That's correct. So uh, you know when the roads are bad, uh, it's easier for them sometimes to just stay at work. Uh, we, we do have uh, facilities in some of our shops, showers, uh, where they can they can bed down and stay rather than uh, turn around and try and go, go home and come back. <coughs> it's easier sometimes that way. Depends on what the situation is. Man, I can't imagine. Heroes. But yeah, big thanks to the folks out there that are taking the glory. We use the, the colloquial term, you know, we doing these things, and it is not I uh, should make that very clear. I don't think anyone's under that uh, <laughs> assumption anyway. But yeah, big thanks to the folks out there doing the hard work. What about, um, do we, did we kind of take anything, any, any new lessons learned maybe from this storm? Uh, yes, you can always learn. Uh, we, there is this, um, we were talking this morning, we had a, we had a safety call with all of the districts yeah. and uh, where they all report injuries or near misses, things that, you know, might help others uh, in other districts just as we have a good conversation. Yeah. So uh, one thing that came up was a, a particular snow plow 
that um, it, 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 it was a newer version of a snowplow, but it, uh, the blade on it, uh, when, it when you're scraping ice, it, uh, it tends to, to, to tilt over uh, if it catches. Uh, whereas some of the older plows that they were u accustomed to using, it had like a breakaway mechanism to where it wouldn't uh, tilt, it wouldn't throw the blade over. And uh, some of the uh, maintenance guys were telling us that that was probably something that we need to go back and, and try and look back at the difference between newer and older uh, uh, scrapers and make sure, sure that we're not, that we're, Staying safe. And you, you know, you mentioned that talk about scraping ice. What was that? I think you were telling us just a, kind of before we got rolling here, um, you can only do so much even as far as scraping ice because you start hardening the right. roadway. Right, right. So, um, so there's, you know, there's snow, then there's ice. Ice to us is probably one of the worst. It sticks, and it, you you got to find a way to scrape it up or uh, put a de-icing material, material down mm -hmm. to where it melts away. But... The temperatures during that time, they, they never uh, really rose above freezing. So uh, trying to melt it, it would only return again, you know, at nightfall or whenever the temperatures drop. Mm. So our best option was to, to attempt to get travel lanes open by scraping it off. And when you're scraping it, it's, it, it sticks so hard until you, you can't, the snow plows weren't able to, to pick it up and scrape it away like, wow. like we would have liked. But as, uh, as the week went on, the temperatures rose, and it, it started to break the bond between the road and the bottom side of that ice, so it was able, we were able to get it off a lot better. That's a good example, I think, of, you know, you, we can do as much as we possibly can, but at the end of the day, we're still dealing with Mother Nature, yes, and sure. she is undefeated. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. There's only so much we can, we can do. Uh, and you get to a point of diminishing returns, I think, you know, uh, a lot of situations where you can, like you just said, you know, Precipitation comes in, wipes away those efforts. You know, now we got to start back over. Right, right. You know, some of those situations are just unavoidable. Um, what about staff-wise? Do we have enough folks? I think you know. I I feel we do. Um, you know, M dots got. Um, you know, we we did uh, ask that very question uh, after the first event. Uh, the the districts south of us, like District Seven, Six, Five, they were. They were asking those, helping us ask those questions. What resources could they bring up to the northern districts? Love that. If we, so we, we were having communication with the northern districts to see if they needed additional staff, if they need additional equipment, or additional materials, because we really felt confident that our southern uh, uh, end of the state was kind of right. in the clear, so we could move those resources up north if we needed to. But uh, they were able. To, they were telling us that uh, they they were able to supply resupply in time and in uh, but we were kind of monitoring the situation it's a tough stuff tough tough ask out there and again just man shout out to all the, the hard-working folks out there getting absolutely. it done that's uh, for sure absolutely just one more thing on on this so a lot of people like to kind of compare our efforts to like uh states up north right you know like their uh, their response to snow and ice but it's a little bit different for us right i mean absolutely. we're just we don't have to deal with this thing year round right correct right so uh, that that is true, uh, but we do still try and learn and and do better. Sure. Uh, states up north of us, they they budget more of their budget toward sure. the snow and ice because they are one hundred percent sure each year that they're going to get it. Right. Uh, we we tend to try and 
proportionate with risk and but not just have uh, stockpiles of salt or material that might degrade and we won't use it. So we mm. try and proportion that with risk. Uh, and uh, I think we've been doing a, a pretty good job of that. Um, states up north, they, uh, they, when you deal with it a lot more, you're pretty sure you're going to get it. You can dedicate more of your budget towards something that you're pretty sure is going to happen. Whereas uh, not getting it as much, you don't want to overspend in areas and have equipment that sits uh, a snow plow that never gets used or uh, salt that never gets used. So we try and proportion that with risk, and uh, so that's kind of where we are. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Put it much better than me. All right. Well so said. thanks again to everyone that was a part of that effort. Uh, lots of people, you know, out there in really dangerous conditions, away from their families. So shout out to them for sure. Uh, we'll get on to maybe a little more fun subject with Will right here. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd like to wrap up our episodes with a couple of fun questions. And uh, as you mentioned, you've done a little bit of bouncing around the state. and uh, You know, uh, it's been in different areas and different districts. We like to eat. As a podcast, as a people, we like to eat. And, uh, man, you got any favorite local spots or maybe even a favorite spot that you don't get to go to very often around the state? Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite spots is probably Pearl Frisco Deli. Oh, yeah. It's a frequent flyer on the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm in on the podcast. Yeah, yeah I, I like to go there a good bit. And uh, when I was in Yazoo City, I kind of missed out on the lunch. Uh, but since I'm, I'm back, I'm able to get there for lunch now a little better. I'm Where was the like go-to it. spot in Yazoo? Uh, we, we had a, a local restaurant called uh, Ubon's. Yeah. It's okay. a barbecue joint. I'm there. familiar. Yeah. yeah. Real good. Very much so. Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, uh, me and Paul like to eat, uh, or as much as I like to eat, Paul likes to listen to music, so he's got a music question for you. Okay. Well, let's roll with it. So, yeah, we talk a lot of music and public affairs, so what's maybe your favorite concert you've ever attended? Okay. Um, I'm a little more into the, the gospel scene. Nice. Uh, so uh, my last concert was a, a Mary Mary concert in Memphis uh, where they performed. Uh, they're real good. So, I, you know, I don't get to go all the time, but um, – you know, if I can catch a gospel group, you know, performing somewhere around, I'm, I'll usually be in attendance. That was probably some of my first exposure to uh, to music uh, back in the day. My my grandmother used to keep all the uh, the Gaither vocal band. They have like the Gaither homecoming uh, things, and you'd hear you know all those different artists and stuff. And so, uh, I resonate with that very much. So that. What is that, the Forum up there in Memphis? Is that mm -hmm. the? Yes, FedEx that, Forum. That place is oh, incredible, yes. too. Yes. Great. I've seen several good shows up there. So strong answers, very much so. We're going to have to go get some Eubanks and some Frisco Deli next week now. Let's do it. We are putting them on the list for sure. For sure. Earl, thank you so much for stopping by. I know you, you started on January 1st and just got hit with something <laughs> right off the bat. So Absolutely. it's all uphill from here for sure. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right, we'll go ahead and close out the show. Thank you to our listeners, our viewers, viewers for tuning into the Extra Mile podcast. You can watch and listen to episodes by visiting joemmadot.com forward slash the extra mile. Follow us on social media at Mississippi DOT is the handle there. We want to thank our producer, editor extraordinaire, Drew Hall, for holding things back, holding things down for us behind the scenes. And remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways. Mm -hmm.